Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Katherine Van Zippel, the stories-based podcast that interviews professionals, donors, and thought leaders in the field of fundraising. Hello, my name is Erin. I'm a major gifts officer in higher education. I never thought I'd say it, but I miss commuting. So what have I been doing in this virtual world? Setting a time each week to commute with Katherine. I grab my headphones, a cup of coffee, I put on the development debrief, and take a walk. If the development debrief has been filling your virtual work life with great tips and fundraising insights, join me. Consider supporting this amazing podcast with a monthly contribution of $10. Listen through to the end of the episode for an exciting announcement about something coming this spring for the debrief. Leadership can be so elusive and hard to quantify. This week, we drill down on what makes a leader and how you can sharpen your own skills. Guests Mike and Justin tell us it needs to start with your own relationship with yourself. Justin and Mike have a mentor-mentee relationship. They work together at The Ohio State University. Listen as they talk about their work together and how it has grown and evolved through their launch of the Advancement Leadership Lab. A graduate of the University of California, San Diego, Mike Eicher began his career in higher education at the University of California, Los Angeles. Prior to joining Ohio State, Mike served for six years as Senior Vice President for External Affairs and Development at Johns Hopkins University, where he led the Johns Hopkins Knowledge for the World campaign. Mike returned to a public university because he believes in its noble mission and great power. He joined Ohio State in fall of 2012 as a Senior Vice President for Advancement and President of the Ohio State University Foundation. Mike is focused on organizational growth, health, and wellness, which led to Advancement's establishment of a Chief Diversity Officer position and the Advancement Inclusion Council. Both serve as resources by providing personal and professional development opportunities for staff. He lives in Columbus with his wife and travels frequently. They have two grown children. They also have two young granddaughters who they love to spend time with. Our second guest, Justin Fincher, PhD, is the Ohio State University Office of Advancement's first ever Vice President for Advancement, Strategy and Administration. He was promoted in January 2019 with a charge of overseeing campaign planning and operations as Ohio State prepares to launch the most ambitious fundraising endeavor in its 150-year history. Justin came to Ohio State in 2013 after holding leadership roles at Johns Hopkins University and Rutgers University. Justin earned his master's degree in college student personnel at the University of Maryland College Park and his doctorate degree thereafter completing a large quantitative study in its higher education administration program. Through his graduate work in counseling, Justin became fascinated with listening to what motivates others and helping to coax out their inner confidence. He has written journal articles and book chapters on how self-awareness is foundational to growing as an engaged leader. Outside of the office, he believes in giving back to his community and his volunteer involvement mirrors his commitment to education. For the United Schools Network, a network of high-performing charter schools in Columbus, he serves as vice chair of the board and chair of the development committee. He resides in the Columbus area with his wife and two sons. Now let's get started. Hey, Justin. Hey, Mike. Welcome to the debrief. Thanks, Catherine. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. You know, initially I had reached out to Mike 
there are so many people that respect you and want to hear from you in our field. We had talked about you in other episodes with Patty Hill Callahan. And after you and I talked, we agreed that it would be really great to bring Justin in here to talk about the way you two work together. So eager to eager to talk about it. So I want to start with a really lofty kind of tough question. How have the two of you worked to answer this question, which is who am I? What have you done to, to go there? Boy, you start with the big philosophical question. Yes. And then we'll end with one too. I think it's a great question. You know, you often when we answer that question, we start with simple answers. Like what roles do I play? Father, husband, grandfather, SVP, donor, volunteer, neighbor, whatever. But and then those are all true. Uh, nothing wrong with those answers. But the question is, what do I value? Or what gives me joy? What am I good at? What am I not so good at? What are others better at than I am? What, what gives me a sense of accomplishment or, or meaning? Um, those are all really important questions, as I think we'll, we'll get to. But the, the how question you're asking, how do, how do we work at answering who I am, is kind of a lifelong uh, pursuit, and it changes. You know, who I am today um, has a resemblance to who I was 20 years ago, but it's not exactly the same. I have a, a better understanding of who I am, or at least maybe it's a different understanding, evolved understanding of some of those questions. And some of the things that gave me great pleasure and joy 25 years ago are, uh, are different today. And as I think about it, I, I immediately think about the fact that we don't live in a vacuum, right? And everything we do is in relation and in relationships with others. And I immediately think of the Johari window. And if you're not familiar with that um, exercise or that approach, right, it's, it's the idea of, of what is known to you and what's unknown to you and what's known to others about you and what's unknown to others about you. And if you, if you kind of picture a simple or pained window, right? There are things that are known to you and known to others that are kind of public, right? Of, of um, many of the things you can look up about me, right? On, on the internet, let's say. There are things that are um, known to me, but not known to others, right? Maybe my close friends or colleagues knows those things about me. And, and those are important to explore. There are things that are unknown to me, but known to others, right? And I would call those our blind spots. And that's, that's what that helps kind of pull out. And then there are things that are that neither of us know about me, and and that that gets a little bit more uh, theoretical. But all that to say, I think the the work is always around understanding who you are in different contexts and how others um, engage with you and what they see in you that you don't necessarily see in yourselves yourself, or what you're trying to express to others in the world, but they don't see in you. And and that's just a, a life pursuit. And I don't think you ever answer the question, "Who am I?" But um, I try to answer the question, who am I in relation to others as, as often as I can. And you make a really good point about different contexts. The two of you try to be as similar as possible in and outside of the workplace? Yeah, try to be, I think. And that has to do with just being genuine. Mm -hmm. uh, I need to be genuine wherever I am. Um, if I'm putting on a face or, or somehow acting in a play, I will not be as effective um, either at home or at work. And so who I am is who I am. So why is it important to know who you are as you grow as a leader? How do those things intersect? 
Well, I think that's a really important question. Um, and it's a, there's a fundamental concept in leadership and some of the things that we're doing around leadership that I believe in strongly that leaders need to start by leading themselves. And it, it, some of it is as simple as the flight attendant saying, put your mask on before you help others. But it's, it's, it's a really important and probably much deeper concept. So before I talk to my team about what their goals are, I really need to have a good understanding of what my goals are. If, if I need to know what I want to accomplish before I start to talk about what others are going to need to accomplish. I need to prioritize my own day before I start helping people prioritize their days. I, I need to focus on what's important in my life before I help others focus on and on and on, right? You get the point. And, and at the end of the day, I need to be um, really uh, focused on the question, did I make a difference? And, and it's a personal question before I talk about, did the team make a difference? So fundamental question is, is, is you know, leadership is, is important. I really believe leadership matters but it starts with leading yourself. And I'm sitting here chuckling because when I jotted down some notes in preparation for this, I, I put down the airplane and oxygen mask uh, analogy, which, you know, when, when you've worked around like long enough, they just kind of seep into you. Right? I promise we didn't prep that together. Um, I think it goes back to my, my counseling training too, right? Of, of you can't help others until you help yourself. And um, it's, it's, again, a constant journey that, you find yourself in situations where you don't really know how you're going to handle the next thing that's in front of you and how you do that work to get ready for that. And I think a lot of our management and leadership training out there is about, it immediately jumps into how you're going to help do things for others or how you're going to help others do things. And what's, what's fundamentally missing is that, that start with, well, who are you in that? And um, how are you going to extract the best out of others if you haven't really fully optimized yourself yet? it seems like there's a pretty clear division between individual contributors, you know, mainly as fundraisers and then managers. And it's interesting to think the individual contributors are leading themselves and that that's important as it relates to managing. Well, one of the things we spend a lot of time talking about is the difference between leadership and management. And since you brought that up, I think it's an important element to explore. Management is an important function. We can't live uh, in our worlds, our business lives without good managers. Um, but management is about usually is associated with a title or a function or a role, whereas leadership really exists everywhere in the or can exist anywhere in the organization. They are very different. One is about um, reducing risk and managing uh, risk and uh, being predictable and trying to make everything run exactly as it should. And that's management. Leadership is much more about embracing risk and uncertainty. Um, and so, so even though we often use those terms interchangeably, I think we think of them as very different skills. But what we often do in our business is we take somebody who's really good as an individual performer and promote them often without a, a good role model or, or, or a sense of what success looks like as a manager. Uh, that's a problem, I think, in our business. Well, let's talk about the two of you. How did you meet? How did you start working together? And how has your relationship grown as mentor and mentee? <laughs> we first met at Johns Hopkins University. 
Justin did not report to me, but he was a part of the team and he caught my attention right away as a natural leader, as somebody who's incredibly bright, uh, comfortable with taking risks, creative, ambitious in the positive sense of that word. And, and I saw him accomplish things that, um, that I had no idea um, were, were accomplishable in, in a complex environment. And, and uh, Justin decided at some point to uh, move on, and I tried really hard to keep him there. But when I got to Ohio State, I had to rebuild my team um, and, and really was looking to speed up the pace, to change the culture. Uh, and I needed people who I was going to be very comfortable with. And my philosophy in hiring is very much hire for talent, not for experience. Um, and I knew Justin was incredibly talented in whatever role I could I could put him in. So it was really a no-brainer to, to go after Justin. I will say I've noticed I think all of the greats have come out of Johns Hopkins at one point or another. Well, Hopkins is a really interesting training ground that um, has developed an awful lot of leaders. Uh, yeah. And and you know, sort of examining why that is 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 very interesting and very important. And there's a lot to the story. And I, I just gave you the superficial stuff. I want Justin to fill in, but yeah, one of the things that is, is important in our story is that um, while we are not identical and, um, and we don't always see eye to eye on everything, our skills complement each other. What we do hold, I think in uh, common is our, our values, uh, work ethic, a sense of the important things, how you set goals, for example, and some of those things that are really fundamental. Yeah, I just want to first thank Mike for reading the bullet points that my mom sent him last night to say about me. Um, <laughs> very, very kind of you, Mike. I think it started when you're with someone who kind of is equal parts intimidation and inspiration, right? Somebody who you know is at is the top of the profession and is going to ask you questions that you've never even thought about. And that started from our first lunch when I reached out to today. We have to connect on a topic right after this. Mike will ask me a question that, you know, will take things five steps up from, from where I thought they were. And I think that's the importance of finding the right mentor, right? I think many people seek out mentors to answer the questions they have versus seeking out mentors who are going to ask them questions that just mm. continue to open them up, right? Yeah, flipping that. That's right. And, um, you know, the cliche of choosing your boss and not your job, right? I, I didn't know what the job was going to be coming to Ohio State, but I knew that I had somebody who was going to stretch me and, and push me into spaces that I wasn't maybe thinking I was ready for yet or that I, you know, had a lot to learn from doing that. And Catherine, if I may, one of Justin's great strengths was just exhibited to some extent in his answer. Justin, as he was kind of joking about maybe a meeting that we're going to have in the future and anticipating that, uh, he spends a lot of time thinking about the world from somebody else's perspective and anticipating um, the next move or, or the next issue. And he's always really thinking three, five, 10 steps ahead um, and is not encumbered in the beginning by saying, we can't do that. That's not possible imagining a future uh, that that doesn't exist. Which is so add, exciting. Yeah, I would just add that's it's not possible in an environment where you don't have a leader who, like Mike, who is thinking in decades time, right? So not 
what are we going to accomplish by fiscal year end, right? But how does this position us for 2030? I appreciate that, but I think it, it happens in organizations where you have leaders who can continue to, to raise the horizon for us. Yeah, it's that yin and yang. You have to have both to make it happen. You know, earlier Mike had talked about leading from where you are, which is such an interesting idea. And then you sort of applied it where you talked about how you noticed Justin leading from where he was and then you had these aligned values. But how can other people think about identifying their version of either of your roles? You know, I think it goes back to leadership's not a position, it's a mindset. Fundamentally, if you're not starting there, you're never going to feel like you have the opportunity to lead from where you are. Um, and then I would just shift that a little bit to say kind of lead from where you want to be or lead from um, where you need to be uh, for the organization. And that, I think, really opens you up to, to think about a broader viewpoint. If you can answer the questions, what solutions have I offered today right, to, to others, to the organization, you're, you're not an observer. And you said you asked Mike to lunch. Is that right? Is that how all of this started? Yeah, many, many lunches, I would say, where I would leave the hour with more questions than I had in the last month, you know, had asked myself. So there's also something to be said for real role uh, clarity here. What I needed when Justin and I first started talking was a problem solver. There was a time in my career where I was a doer and a problem solver and a time when the university needed me to, 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 to take a longer term look and to not be the person who had to solve every problem. But I needed somebody who could uh, identify and solve problems. That's, that's kind of where Justin's role started. And I'll tell you, one of the things that, that in the very first weeks, it seems to me, of his coming to Ohio State that him, made me realize I had exactly the right person was, he said, look, I am going about trying to find the other people at the university who get stuff done. And he formed a, a network of people whose job was to get stuff done. That freed me up to do a bunch of other things that were important. So would you say that getting things done is sort of at the core and the foundation of all of this, that that's where you start and then you evolve from there? With a slight tweak, I would say getting okay. the right things done the right way. I think there are people who measure success on, I can check this off the, off the list. Um, I think then we could have a whole conversation about how you prioritize and sequence things. I think what Justin just said is incredibly important. It is not about being busy. It's about getting the right things done. So learning and leading by doing. Can you talk with us about how you have learned by leading? You know, I, I think I'm a much better leader. I hope I'm a better leader every year, but I think I'm better at this now than I was a year ago. And certainly now I'm better than I was 25 years ago, 30 years ago. But it goes with a fundamental concept that, that I think a couple of fundamental concepts. One is something that came out of the Center for Creative Leadership more than 40 years ago um, that's called the 70-20-10 rule. It's easy to find, you can Google it, but it, the concept is that fundamentally leadership can be learned. But there are three types of experiences that help leaders to grow. Um, one is experiences and, and, and challenging assignments. The second it is developmental relationships like mentors or bosses. And the third is coursework or training or books. And the 70-20-10 concept says, 
leaders learn 70% of what they know about leaders by doing it, by those experiences and challenges that they face. About 20% from developmental relations with bosses, mentors, and the like, and, and about 10% from coursework and training. And yet we tend to focus almost all our attention on coursework and training in our business and, and believe that that's how people are gonna to learn to be leaders. And I just don't believe it. And it, by the way, if you take that, sunny, that same concept and ask a development officer how they learned their job, uh, almost 100% of them will say, I learned it by doing it. I learned it um, from experiences. And if you really push them, they will say, yeah, I, I had a good boss and I had a mentor. Um, but very few of them will point to courses and in, in, in training experiences. Mm. It, we really, I think, focus on trying to help people grow by doing, because it's how they learn. The other thing that, that the example I often use is that um, I think leadership, you learn leadership very much like you do riding a bike. No one has ever learned how to ride a bike by going to a class or by reading a really good book on the, on the physics of why a bike stands up, stays up when you, when you pedal it. You learn a, learn a little bit by watching somebody ride a bike, but the way you learn how to ride a bike is to get on a bike and to start pedaling and to fall off and to scrape your knee. And, and often it helps to have somebody holding the bike up as you start to pedal. I think we have to use that more than we do learning how to do something technical when we talk about leadership. I love that. I actually hadn't heard that one. Uh, Justin, do you have anything to add on this one? Uh, I, I just think about um, confidence in all this and, and how you build confidence. And uh, researcher Albert Bandura, who really the person who's developed uh, the framework for confidence, and you learn it by, you build confidence by having experiences, you've done things before having people who tell you you can do something you didn't think you could do. Uh, you've done something similar, right? So maybe you've ridden a scooter, so now you feel more confident that you can ride that bike and give it, give it a shot. And then the physiological experiences of right before you ride the bike, right, your palms get a little sweaty, your heart starts racing a little bit. And rather than take that as nerves, you, you have to help reframe that as it's something exciting you're about to do for the first time, right? So I, I, um, I'm just sitting here reflecting on that as, as Mike was giving that example, um, because I think so much about how we grow and what we can do next is based on how much confidence we have in ourselves and mm -hmm. how others are helping us build that. Well, I really liked what you said about doing the right things, getting the right things done in the right time. And so I want to go back to that and talk about goal setting as a philosophy, not just writing you know, bullet points down on a piece of paper. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll lead off. It's something Justin and I think about, I think, a, a lot uh, together. But for me, it starts way before writing things down on the paper. It actually starts with the kinds of people who I, I want to hire and who I want to have on the team. I, I want to have people who are, who, who are self-starters, who, who have a mission in mind, who want to get things done, who can't wait to do uh, things that are going to really be impactful. Uh, people who are uh, uh, who make others around them better, and people who aren't afraid to take risks and, and even sometimes to fail. If I get those people on the team, my job is very much simplified because I, I'm very I, at that point I'm kind of almost holding back the reins and saying, "Wait, slow down!" Not using a boot to say, "Get going and, and move." So if I get the right people. 
they're going to set aggressive goals for themselves. And my job is to then try to help resource them, um, to help give them the tools and skills and the, and the opportunities to learn and to achieve. It's also very important that I um, am, am uh, thoughtful and not punishing those folks unintentionally for missing their goals, right? Those folks set really aggressive goals for themselves and, and sometimes miss it. If something happens that they, they miss those goals, but I then don't give them a reward uh, you know, one way or another, even though they've worked hard, they've, they've worked smart, they've pushed all the right buttons, then I'm, I'm going to set up the institution for mediocrity. People are going to say risks aren't worth taking. We should set goals we absolutely know we can achieve. We should play it safe. And those are all things that are, uh, are counterproductive in the world that I think we're trying to create. Goal setting is about the future. How often do we start goal setting conversations saying, let's look at the last three years and what we've done and what we've accomplished, and then we'll set goals from that. I think that the way in which we stretch and grow is to say, what, what do we think we can accomplish next? Now let's square that up with the other variables we have, right? And our previous success being one of those, our capacity for X or Y. Um, but so often goal setting starts with, what do we do last? And let's make sure that we don't stray too far from that, that it feels too risky. So we do a lot of goal setting that, you know, you dream big and then you bring it into what, what you think can be achievable and then, and then make sense of it from there. Do you look to role models when you think about that? Or do you really just do it based on your own, you know, potential and your own past performance? Hmm. I haven't thought about it that way before. I think for me, it's what are the next big things we, we have the capacity to accomplish as an organization that others don't potentially. So I don't, I don't think I benchmark against others generally. Um, and maybe it's just the type of the organization or how we generally approach the work. Um, I, you know, I, I think I would add, we, we do a, a lot of benchmarking, but we don't, we're not trying to become anybody else. We're, we're not trying to be like somebody else. We do benchmarking to help educate ourselves on what's going on out there, but not so that we can copy uh, or, or set the same goals that they set. It helps us to stretch our imagination and think about what we want to do. I'm, I'm glad you said that because something that I've learned through hosting this podcast actually is so much of having success and shining is about understanding who your individual institution is and who you are and your skills and then polishing that up and setting it up to shine. You know, if you're trying to become something else, it goes back to that authenticity piece. So I'm, I'm glad that you said that. Well, and we have a certain amount of ambition, but it's not an ambition to be like another university. It, our philosophy is let's leapfrog, not copy. And so if we could figure out what others are doing, how, now let's figure out what we want to do and, and uh, innovate. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the perfect segue for us to start talking about the Advancement Leadership Lab. The two of you have innovated in a really exciting way, and you've been working together on this, this new lab. So what is the Advancement Leadership Lab and what inspired it? We've been thinking about uh, leadership and management for a long, long time. In fact, when, when we were at Hopkins, um, we did something in this space called the uh, uh, Leadership in Action. And 
the, the, the concept was really simple. If we could develop a better managers, this was the original concept, we, we would hire better, we would retain the right people longer, we would set the right kinds of goals, we would manage for success, we would just ultimately, that was the, that was seemed to me at the time to be the trigger that was going to be most important and most effective in, in helping Hopkins to grow. And so we involved a lot of universities in that program, they were all privates. And when, when, when I moved to, Hopkins, to, to Ohio State, we spent a lot of years, Justin and I, thinking about the topic of leadership, not, not necessarily management. So these are related, but they're not identical. And thinking about uh, what, we, what we might do. And we are a part of a group uh, that we call the Advancement Leadership Forum, ALF, ALF that um, a group of nine universities now, all big publics, who were all focused on this topic as well, all with the same general assumption that leadership matters. And if we could develop folks who really led in all aspects of advancement throughout the organization, that we would have uh, shops that people wanted to come to, if recruitment would be better, the right kinds of people would want to come. And um, we would have um, real success in building multiple levels of, of good, good for the participants, um, good for the facilitators, good for the universities, but also ultimately um, good for the, for the profession. As Mike said, it was a kind of perennial conversation with, with the leaders of these nine institutions um, of that we had to do something. And there was a meeting where I finally said, well, let's just set a deadline and let's, let's do something. And I realized as soon as it came out of my mouth that that was then going to be assigned back to me because I had, had, yeah. had said that. Yeah. And so we, so we spent the better part of a year really defining the, the goals that Mike has really just outlined there of how do we support and, and develop our emerging leaders um, who have the potential and will ultimately lead the programs of the future in advancement and worked to develop a, a one-year curriculum, one-year program that started a couple of years ago as four distinct on-sites at different of each of the nine institutions. So each, each cohort got to experience four different institutions with really the, the, um, a pretty simple framework. First, understanding yourself as a leader, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, right? The importance of, of understanding who you are and what motivates you and, and, and who you want to be. The next part of, of the curriculum is really around how you engage with others, right? So how you then can influence and, and connect with others in, in powerful ways. With the ultimate idea of scaling your leadership across an organization from wherever you sit, simply that's the framework for this model. It's open to all advancement professionals. So where other programs might be more focused on just fundraising, this program, we want it to be inclusive of, of leadership across our organizations. And there are, again, individuals who are eager to dig into that, that difficult work. Well, this sounds like a lot of work and a lot of time, and it's on top of already ambitious goals that you have for yourselves. So why is this a priority? I, I really am amazed that you've taken this time. This is on top of everything. Why? The credit there, the question belongs to Justin because he spends an enormous amount of time on this. I would say, uh, I'll answer from my perspective, the payoff is also enormous. We're seeing incredible growth in the participants and, and just a, a real joy as they learn about themselves and, and 
learn to become more impactful leaders. As a facilitator, as a participant, I get great joy out of participating with Justin in these things. But we talk to the vice presidents about what's happening on their institutions and the vice presidents continue to say, this has been high impact and some of the best training dollars that they have, uh, have spent. We're really serious about, the, the, uh, about creating a group of lifelong learners. This isn't, this isn't just a conference. This isn't just a one-off. This is about creating folks who are curious and, and a network or a community of learners that we think will have long-term impact for the future of advancement. And that really is important to both of us. Look, we always say our franchise is our people, right? So if we're not spending 80% of our time on, or more, right, on developing our people, then we, that's our only enduring priority that we really have as an organization. And then we just have a responsibility, we believe, as, as large public institutions that have some of the largest programs in the country to support the profession and to, and to develop those future leaders. So I think, I think that's particularly important to us. Well, you're in year three of the pilot of the lab and it has progressed, as we know, from in-person to then a hybrid last year with COVID-19 and now completely online. What has that been like? I remember when I pitched the final concept to the vice presidents, I said, you know, we want to do a three-year pilot. And my goal is to uh, keep as much as the same as we possibly can so we can really study this thing. So to, to minimize any variability, right, in the program. And by year and one and a half years in, right, that was all thrown out the window. Yeah. And what, what we found, because we're, in, we're creating a laboratory, right, is that we keep experimenting, is that there's, there's beauty in each of the years, right? So the year one complete onsite experience, there are some really unique things that emerged from being you know, with people together. Year two, really watching a cohort go through this experience where they thought something was gonna happen for the year, but kind of this sense of loss that they didn't have each other throughout that year. And then year three, we, we really kind of threw everything out the window and said, we're not trying to replicate or, or make a, a discounted version right, of this experience. Instead, we said, how do we create the best virtual lab that we could ever imagine? And we just rethought everything. But what I'd say across all three of those things is we've been very clear about the goals, the outcomes, the work that we want the, the participants to do. And that's been consistent throughout. Their growth has not changed. In fact, I think in some ways um, has gotten stronger because we're in an environment that's forcing us all to look and act and be different. You know, in year, as we were getting ready for year three, we knew we couldn't do any in person. We, we really were thinking maybe we had to just cancel year three or postpone year three. Again, as, a, as a, uh, an example of, of Justin's problem solving, um, he and the team really set about saying that's not good enough. And Jill, who really is the day-to-day -day manager of the program, went off and, and learned how others are building communities using virtual tools that we have and came back more excited than ever and said, you know what, we can do this and we can do it as well or maybe better. And I think we're, you know, we're in the middle of year three, but boy, I am excited about what we have learned. But it, is, it started with, yes, we can, not, not, oh no, we can't. 
Well, it's sort of like how we have to keep having prospect visits. We have to keep working. We just have to figure out the new way that it looks. So I love that you reflected that in this program that, no, there's a way. It just, it's just different. And in fact, we were encouraged by the vice presidents to say, this is a leadership moment. Yes. And, and if we are going to lead by example, uh, first time we come up to some hard equation, we say, well, we'll just have to postpone. That really wasn't what we were trying to uh, instill or think about as, as a leadership uh, community. So it was really important that we not back away been so much fun to hear from both of you and to just get some some glimmers of inspiration as we think about growing as leaders and growing ourselves. I would love to end with my signature question. Mike, Justin, what do you know for sure? I first thought about that and I said, I don't know anything for sure. But then as I really examined it, there are a number of things I know for sure. Um, one is that everything important in life that, that I have learned, the things that really make me who I am, I learned by making a mistake or by taking risk. And, and what I know for sure is I had people around me who encouraged that kind of creativity and risk taking, and that made all the difference. You just talked about growth, so I'll, I'll just use a, a, a simple visual, and I think what I know for sure is that every tree starts with a seed, right? And so if we can just plant one seed a day, you know, 365 seeds a year, you just keep extrapolating, and we can grow a lot of ourselves and of others, and that, that I know for sure. Thank you both. Thanks. Thank you. Great to spend time with you. The Development Debrief's first live event is coming this spring. This will be an opportunity to network with other listeners and enjoy guests, which we will keep a surprise for now. Reach out for more information or if you're interested, and I will be sure to share more in future episodes as we get a date and continue to plan what promises to be a very exciting experiment. Stay tuned. I loved when Justin said, he asks himself, what solution can I offer to others? This is such a great mindset and headspace to have for working in a collaborative environment. Thank you, Mike and Justin. You've given us so much to think about, and we appreciate and thank you for your leadership. Please connect with me on LinkedIn or on Instagram at devdebrief. I've also launched a new website, www.thedevelopmentdebrief.com. I would love to connect with you. Have a great week.